Welcome to the Semester at Sea Wavelength Podcast. This is the eighth episode, and I, Patrick Fennell, will be your host. Every week on the podcast, we hear interviews, stories, and other audio from students, alumni, and staff. Semester at Sea is a biannual study abroad program taking place during the fall and spring semesters, where students get the opportunity to study abroad on a ship and where the world becomes your classroom. Semester at Sea is hosted by ISE, the Institute for Shipboard Education, a nonprofit based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Semester at Sea is made possible with support of listeners like you. Whether student, alumni, or neither, visit semesteratsea.org to get involved and find out more. You can also find Semester at Sea on any of your favorite social media platforms. Applications are currently open and accepted on a rolling basis. Donations are welcome and serve students the opportunity at experiences like you hear on this show. The following segment is from Spring 2014, where a Japanese language boot camp was led by academic dean Ann Kinney, Interport lecturer Harumi Yamanaka, and Canadian student and native Japanese speaker Daichi Ishikawa from McGill University. Enjoy. In preparation for the upcoming arrival to Japan, Semester at Sea held its first language boot camp last night, which was available for all voyagers to attend. These sessions are designed to help students become familiar with the basic phrases of the local language before arriving at each port, as well as any cultural nuances that may be useful during their travels. The boot camps are led by voyagers who have native speaking abilities in the particular language, if available, as well as by those who have previously spent time in the country. Academic Dean Ann Kinney, a professor in the Department of East Asian Literature, Language, and Culture at the University of Virginia, gave the shipboard community a brief history of the Japanese language, followed by an overview of the three different types of Japanese characters. Japanese is a really difficult language, and one of the things that makes it so difficult is that it uses three different forms of script. The Japanese language is also very unique in that it seems to be an isolated language. It's really not related to other languages, although some scholars think maybe it might be related to Korean. So these are the three different kinds of of scripts. The first one is hiragana, and these are all the, the symbols. It's a little bit different from an alphabet. It's called a syllabary because symbols are not one letter, but often combinations of letters. So some of them are simple, like a, ka, Sa, ta, na, ha. And then, of course, you have kanji. And these are Chinese characters, okay? The third system is called katakana. And you can see this looks more angular than the, the curly, cursive-looking hiragana. And katakana is used largely to write foreign words. Dean Kinney was followed by Arumi Yamanaka, the Interport Lecturer for Japan, and Daichi Ishikawa, a student and native Japanese speaker on board who gave a quick lesson on useful Japanese phrases. So if you walk into a real Japanese restaurant, you'll usually get the waiters yelling, Yashai, which means welcome. Or like a sushi bar or any restaurant, every workers in the department store, they will shout at you, so many times. And you don't know what to reply, but you don't have to reply. Just they welcoming you. They say, いらっしゃいませ, いらっしゃいませ, all over. This next one is probably the most useful one for you to remember. すみません. 
and that means, uh, excuse me. This can be used for, like, I want something. So, sumimasen, I want to order a coffee. But it can also be used as story. So, if I bump into someone, sumimasen would work as well. Watashi wa Amerika jin desu. So, watashi wa means I am. So, watashi wa. And then jin means person. So, Amerika jin would be an American. So, watashi wa. Amerika jin desu. In Japanese culture, we have two phrases, one at the very beginning of the meal and one at the end of the meal. This is essentially to say thank you for the meal. It's kind of like the equivalent of grace in American culture. So at the very beginning of the meal, we say itadakimasu. Itadakimasu. And that means I accept your offering. And then at the very end of the meal, you say gochisousama deshita. Again, gochisousama deshita. And that means thank you for the meal. To recap, the phrases were Welcome. Irashai. I am American. Watashi wa Amerika jin desu. Excuse me. Sumimasen. The grace at the beginning of the meal. Itadakimasu. The grace at the end of the meal. Since 1963, Semester at Sea has given over 73,000 individuals from 1,700 academic institutions an unparalleled experience of visiting more than 60 countries across six of the seven continents. Semester at Sea serves undergraduate, gap year, and graduate students. Furthermore, the Lifelong Learner program allows non students to experience, explore, and learn alongside students. If you or someone you know wishes to apply or donate to this world shifting experience, please visit semesteratsea.org for more information. Our second segment this week is an interview conducted by myself with Rhea Catan in February 2023. Rhea sailed as a gap year student, is a drummer and all around musician. In our final segment today, we'll get to hear one of her songs. Until then, enjoy the interview. So I'm Rhea.、Uh, I'm from Lebanon. I was born in Jordan and raised in Lebanon. I lived in Lebanon for 16 years. And then I moved to boarding school、uh, to like, the United World Colleges, UWC, and Atlantic College in Wales when I was 16 years old until I was 18. And I finished my last two years of high school over there. And then I sailed fall 2022 in just, just now of SAS. And I will be going to Berklee College of Music to get my music degree. I'm actually leaving tomorrow. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm a musician.、Um, I play the drums, but I also write my own songs. So that's a little background story for me. I, it's still very early on. So we are doing this interview on January 12th, 2023. So it's been just over a month since、yeah. you got off the ship. Not even. It's, we got off on December 22. <laughs> so not even a month. <laughs> How did you find out about Semester at Sea? And、um, what was your journey like to apply and get on the ship? 
Um, so basically, uh, because I was in UWC, that boarding school kind of has like basically a really big donor. His name is Shelby Davis. And he works with everyone from that boarding school because that boarding school is basically like it has they have 18 different campuses around the world. So Shelby Davis works with all UWC scholars and he essentially gives them like scholarships to different uh, universities in the US. And at the time, I really, really, really wanted to go to, um, you know, do a gap semester or gap year program. I, I wasn't really keen on just starting college immediately. But because of the economic crisis that we have, the lovely economic crisis that we have in Lebanon, my mom was just kind of like, well, you know, you can't just, you know, go and live in a country and see what happens and whatever and expect me to pay for it because we can't really do that. It doesn't really make sense financially at the moment. So I went to my university counselor and I'm like, listen, you're going to have to find a program. We're going to have to do something uh, to just find a program that's going to allow me to, you know, take a gap semester and do what I want for, for one semester or, or one year. And um, she told me about semester at sea. And so uh, I applied for it and I got a really, really, really good scholarship thanks to Shelby Davis. And I was accepted and I decided that it was it seemed like a good opportunity. Can you tell me a little bit more about that scholarship and the like application process? They took five students from every UWC. Um, so I had to kind of apply through my school first. And then my school nominated me to semester at C. And then I would officially get accepted by semester at C. So I had to like write just a paragraph about why I was motivated to go why I thought that I would fit there and why I, th I thought I deserved the scholarship and all that kind of stuff. But to be honest with you, there weren't there wasn't like that much competition, like for at least from my UWC in Wales, there wasn't that much competition. So it's not like there were, you know, 20 students applying and they were only choosing five. I think maybe only five or six applied anyway. So it wasn't like that hard <laughs> to get in. Now, as a gap year student, did you know what you like wanted to study going into semester yeah. C? How did that all work out? I've always wanted to do music. Like that's just always been my thing. Ever since I was younger, I'd make my my family just kind of watch me perform like Justin Bieber songs. Um, and I would pretend that my mom's state, my mom's bed was like the stage and I would like make them watch me and I would even prepare tickets for them and stuff. So it's, it's always been my thing. And then I just never really knew like exactly what I wanted to do in music because I played the piano and I played guitar, but it really wasn't my thing. It just didn't click with me until I found the drums like five years ago. So I stuck with that. And ever since that, I just kind of always knew, okay, this is my thing and this is what I wanted to do. And especially being in boarding school and meeting other musicians over there. And then I made my own, I made like two bands in my boarding school and we just had like the most amazing time. So it even emphasized it for me like further. Okay, this is exactly what I want to do in my life. So during semester at sea, I knew that maybe there wouldn't be that many, you know, music opportunities, but I kind of took it as in a way of like, going on semester at sea is gonna allow me to travel the world and traveling the world definitely i'll be able to find different you know musics of different parts of the world and i studied soundscapes and world music at semester at sea which was 
one of the best things I could have done because I had one of the most amazing teachers. His name is Jonathan Kramer and he was he's seriously like extremely knowledgeable in like everything to do with music and everything to do with the world, honestly. He He's like a world traveler. He lived in Rio and he went to Suriname and he just traveled the world and he's seen it all. So being at Semester T just really allowed me to learn so much more than what I ever thought I could learn. Can you go into your classes on the ship a little bit? And then like what extracurriculars did you do on the ship? Was there any limitations on your ability to play music? Um, so first question about my classes, I took, uh, as I said, soundscapes, world music, and um, I took architecture or like art history, because I just kind of wanted classes closest to the arts as possible. So I can just kind of stay within my field, I guess. Um, architecture was definitely super different than music, but I thought that it would just enhance my learning honestly I could just learn something new that I didn't know before and I'm I am kind of into architecture a little bit so I was like why not um it was very interesting I, I really really liked the class it was it was super cool because now I can just kind of go out there and I look at a at a temple and I'm like oh these are ionic columns or Doric columns or this is a cool pediment from I don't know what so it's it's it was really interesting to learn about that and especially all the countries that we went to like Greece and Croatia there was lots and lots and lots of different and, and different times of architecture and different periods. So we we're really able to see that like all within one city, which was super interesting. Uh, world music and soundscapes were kind of similar classes. They were taught by the same teacher and they used the same book. So it, there was a lot of repetition for me, but they were still kind of different. World music was as the name is, like as the name suggests, it's world music, music about the world and stuff. Soundscapes is kind of about that, but it's more about like, for example, if you go into the city, what's the soundscapes that you hear? So when we're in Jordan, part of the soundscapes of Jordan is the call to prayer or uh, I don't know, people speaking in Arabic and the music and stuff like that. Whereas if you go to like Valencia and in Spain, part of the soundscapes are the ringing church bells and stuff like that. So it's more about like what you hear and not just about music. Um, and then, of course, we had global studies, which was for everybody. What was the second question? Pertaining to, like, your ability to play music on the ship, and what was that sort of community and ability like? I definitely felt like there was a limitation because, uh, although there are a couple of, like, pianos on the ship and stuff like that, it was... I, I usually like to, if I want to play, I'd like to play on my own. I mean, I love performing, don't get me wrong, but my way of expressing myself is just kind of going and playing on my own. So back in boarding school, I had like a studio and I could just go whenever I want and it was very private. Whereas the pianos were in like public areas. So if I wanted to play every, like people could just hear me. So I definitely felt like there was a limitation on that. But on the other hand, um, there was a student on the ship who actually went to boarding school with me and she started um, an initiative and she started jam sessions. And I think there were like maybe three or four jam sessions and uh, people just go up and like perform their own music or perform covers or whatever they wanted to perform really. And it was really nice. So I performed in a couple of those. I performed all of my original songs. Um, I had one of my friends who played the guitar, so I would often just use his guitar sometimes and just jam out and play. 
my main issue was that there were no drums on the ship because uh, that's my main interest in instrument. So that was my main issue. But my music teacher got me um, an Arabic drum. We call it Derbeke. So he ended up getting me one from Jordan, actually, because he he's a cellist. So he wanted to play like some Arabic um, improvisation on the cello. And he asked me if I know how to play the Derbeke. And I was like, no, but I can learn. So he got me one from Jordan and we ended up performing together. So it was super cool. And he gave it to me as well. So I, I have it with me. Oh, awesome. Did you um, have any opportunities to like explore the music scene in any countries? Um, get to play with anyone, like go to pick up any instruments? Um, well, in Cyprus, we had um, we had a field class with some musicians, some Cypriot musicians. So I was able to try some of their national instruments, which was really cool because their instruments are very similar to the instruments in Lebanon, or not even just similar, they're the same. So I had never like tried a Lebanese instrument before. So I was able to try some of those and interact with the musicians. And then we saw like a youth orchestra and that was really cool. The youth orchestra like played some amazing classical pieces and some pieces as well. And we were able to see that and they were like aged 11 to 17. And we were like, everyone was blown away because like if you just heard them and didn't see their faces, you'd think that they're like professional, like 40 year old musicians just playing in an orchestra. So it was super nice. I saw like obviously in every country I, I heard music, um, like their national uh, music for each country, but I didn't really have the opportunity to go and play. Uh, but I did play when I was in the Netherlands, which was kind of before SAS started, but it was where it like that was the kind of the first port. Uh, that's where we disembarked. Um, I was just like in a random bar with my friend and there was like a jam session happening and I just wanted to play the drums. But the I, I always get honestly like misjudged or whatever because I'm a girl and I'm young and I want to play drums and whatever. So I get that a lot, but um, that at that time I was like, oh, I'm in a European country. It should be different. They're, they should be more open-minded. So I wanted to go and play the drums and like a guy who worked there or something was like, oh, what do you want to play? And I was like, oh, the drums. And he was like, oh no, there's like a really long line for that. You're going to have to wait. I don't think you're going to have the time to play today. And I was like, okay, I know that that's like, you know, kind of because I mean, everyone's just kind of running up there and playing. There's no like line or sign up sheet or anything. So when he told me that, I kind of got frustrated. And then eventually the drummer who was playing at the time, just he was he finished. So I just immediately ran up there and I ended up playing a solo and it was like amazing. And I jammed out with the musicians and it was super cool and I proved them wrong. So, yeah. That's awesome. So you were on the first voyage back after the program had basically been shut down for two years. Was fall 22 the voyage you first intended on going on and what was that like being on the first class back uh yeah that was the voyage i intended on intended on going on because i mean i had just finished um high school so yeah i i, I really didn't know about semester at sea until not even a year ago like less than a year ago i know that there are some people that have known about their whole life and you know it's like a dream for them but I only knew about it quite recently 
So I didn't really even look into it that much beforehand. So I don't really know how the COVID voyages were, like when COVID started. I don't really know how that was for them. But I know that there was like a lot of restrictions and they had to like wear masks because the staff had told us like, you guys are super lucky. Now, essentially, when I applied, um, we were supposed to go to East Asia. So we were supposed to go Malaysia, Vietnam, I believe, Japan, South Korea, China. And then it changed because of COVID and some COVID restrictions from that part of the world. So it changed to more Europe Central. And then we did Morocco and Jordan, Kenya, India. Um, I think honestly, like the ship handled it really well. Like we only had like one really big outbreak. There was only one period, which was towards the end where it was kind of like a mandatory thing to wear masks or like it was just really highly advised because we kind of had like a small outbreak on the ship, but everyone handled it super well. Like everyone was being really responsible. We, we had like sea Olympics and then that was kind of postponed or just kind of some of the events were canceled and moved around. So when we were in like the union and like in big spaces and stuff, we all had to wear masks and we had to wear masks all around the ship and everyone was really doing that and respecting the rules. So it was nice to see like the community just actually respecting it because no one wanted to, you know, go home early or just be on the ship until the end, until we had to go back to Dubai. But apart from that, we never really had like restrictions. It, it felt normal everything felt normal even within ports like i don't think there was any time that i had to wear a mask or anything so everyone was being like super careful whenever anyone felt any symptoms or anything they would immediately go to the clinic and get tested and then they would be put in quarantine if they were positive so i think everything was handled really well what was your favorite port and why and was it different from a port you anticipated being your favorite? Oh, um, Jordan was actually probably my favorite port. And I, I was not expecting that at all. So I'm basically half Jordanian, like I'm half Palestinian, but my family moved uh, because of, um, you know, Israel. And uh, they moved to Jordan. And so I've never been to Palestine. I've only been to Jordan. So I would go there quite a lot when I was younger. But I would only stay in Haman, which is the capital. And I, other than Haman, I had only been to the Dead Sea. So I just kind of thought of Jordan as a very boring country. That's how I always viewed it. I never viewed it as like nice or lively or anything like that. I just kind of viewed it as like an obligation to go and see my dad's side of the family. So going on this voyage, I was like, oh, we're going to Jordan. Oh, my God, that's going to suck. And then I went to Jordan and we stayed in Aqaba, which um, was completely different than Amman. It's just in the south. It's really nice. And I went and as soon as I started speaking Arabic with them, they would immediately know that I'm Lebanese and they got so happy with me. They were like, oh, my God, my Lebanese sister and blah, blah, blah. And uh, they were like, oh, Lebanese people are the best and all those kinds of things. And it was just they were so welcoming to me and so welcoming to literally anyone. And um, I had a blast, honestly, like we went to Wadi Rum, we went to Petra and it was just so nice. And I never expected to have that much fun in Jordan. And I think 
you know, because it's it's different. It's kind of different than Lebanon, just in its landscapes and it, in its people and stuff like that. But on the other hand, it's still a Middle Eastern country and it's very close to Lebanon culturally and traditionally. So I kind of felt at home for a little bit and the food and everything like that. So it, it was it was very nice. It just it was a mix of something being new and surprising, but also familiar. Sweet. How are you staying in touch with uh, your friends from the voyage? Um, mostly just WhatsApp or you know Instagram, whatever. We we made like a we made group chats and all that kind of stuff. So I just try and stay in touch with them. And I mean, luckily, like it's a blessing in disguise that most people are American on the ship because now I'm going to the U.S. But I'll have a bunch of people near me, so I'll be able to like meet up with a lot of people. When Saturn Island in New York so she'll be able to come up to Boston with no issue and I'll be able to go to New York as well like super easily so um, I think that's pretty cool going like just being around all American people is gonna like help me adjust um, when I'm in the US <laughs> a lot better it'll be less of a culture shock when I'm there for sure was there anything to overcome um any friction as a foreign exchange student on semester at sea as a non-american um, student yeah i mean yeah i it it was i think um that was like the most difficult thing for me like i mean i've lived alone in before you know again i was in boarding school but the boarding school that I went to was very international. I mean, it had over 90 different nationalities all in one campus. So I've been exposed to many different cultures in my past. And I thought, you know, so semester at sea should be easy, right? Wrong. <laughs> I, I don't know how to put it, but like, I, I just, I guess I didn't expect semester at sea to be so American. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but Semester at Sea kind of advertised the program as diverse and inclusive and international when it really wasn't. The, the like most international students that were there were because of UWC, the boarding school that I went to, and because of the scholarship that I talked about earlier. And then I can literally count on maybe two hands the people that were international that did not go to UWC and then the rest were just all American students. So I think it was hard to adjust because when I was in boarding school, I felt like even though everyone is from different places, I felt like I belonged because I was international as well. So everyone was just like each other. Everyone came from completely different parts of the world. You had people from India and Afghanistan and Bangladesh you know, parts of the US too, Latin America and Europe and literally all over. Whereas semester at sea was only American. So I felt like I was the outsider. So it was a little bit hard to adjust. And I'd be on a table with all my American friends and they'd be talking about a TV show. Like I didn't know Sonic, for example. I didn't know Sonic and they like screamed at me like, like you know, the world has ended. <laughs> Or they'd be talking about like certain food chain restaurants. Like I've never been to Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A or any of these places. And they'd be talking about that or like just, you know, things that all Americans can relate to. And I couldn't relate to it. So it was a bit challenging to just 
be an outsider, but I mean, I adjusted and I made my friends and I love them very much. So it was okay. And I think it was a great, like, kind of introduction to the U.S. before actually going there. I like that perspective. Thank <laughs> you. A positive spin. And you'll have... I try to be positive. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have plenty of late night Taco Bell college. <laughs> yeah. What was life oh, like on the ship? Life on the ship was... It was it was quite nice. My day kind of went like this. I would wake up and I would get ready. And uh, sometimes I may or may not go to global, depends on how I feel. Go get lunch and then uh, go smoke a cigarette and then uh, go to class and go smoke. Stay on the deck for like literally the entire day, dinner, deck seven, and then like there's, if you know, if we go to deck seven and deck seven is empty, we're like, what's going on like to be honest with you i wasn't very um involved in lots of the activities like i i don't know why i just never really felt like i don't know it's just it never it never it was never really something that i just kind of wanted to do i just kind of did my own things with my friends i never i was never too involved like even in sea olympics and stuff i i would go and like watch but i never really participated but there were definitely things that I'm glad I participated in, like Neptune Day, for example. I don't know. If, so I'm, I'm really glad I participated in that because I, I was like, I showed up to Deck Nine with like, with like sweatpants and like a short sleeve T-shirt. And while everyone was in their swimsuits and my friends were like, what are you doing? Like, go wear your swimsuit. And I was like, nah, it's fine. I don't want to be covered in slime. I just washed my hair yesterday. And they're like, Rhea, no, you have to. And I'm like, okay, I think this might be something I, I'm going to regret if I don't do it. And so I when I put on my swimsuit and I came back up and I was very happy that I did it. What are you doing now and what's your plans or goals into the future? So tomorrow I travel to Boston um, to begin my journey in Berklee College of Music. I don't know what my plans are, honestly. Uh, um, I just honestly like on my own, my plan is just to go to Berkeley and figure it out all when I'm there and uh, just honestly continue to make music and do what I want to do and, and, and pursue my passion and be able to <laughs> prove everyone's that been telling me that music's not a real job. Hopefully I can prove them wrong and make a living out of it, but just most importantly, like to continue to pursue my dream and make my own music and jam and and all these things. Rock on. Do you have a particular story that you want to tell? It doesn't have to be about Jordan. I'm going to have to think on this one. Um, oh, uh, when we were going through the Suez Canal, that was quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, it was quite an experience. My friends and I decided to stay up for the whole night uh, to, to, to you know, watch the boat go through the Suez Canal. So it was, it was really funny because we were all so sleep deprived, and we were just waiting for it to happen, waiting for it to happen. And they told us that it would be at like four thirty. 
and then it was five and we were still up and we were so tired and we and we you know we had class the next day <laughs> so we we're like oh there goes our sleep you know like we're not we're not gonna be sleeping tonight so it was five and then it was 5 30 and then it was 5 45 and we still hadn't gone through it eventually it was like around 6 a.m sun started coming up and um eventually we went through it but it was really cool because there were a lot more people who were awake than I anticipated. I mean, I thought most people would just be asleep, but everyone actually came out to see it. It was really, really cool. It was really, really cool. I think that's like the coolest thing about Semester T is that you learn all these things in, in the books or you know by teachers telling you them, and then you go out and you actually see it for yourself. So it's like a once in a lifetime thing. It's just really awesome to see that. Um, so we went through the canal and we saw all these like boats going around us. Oh, another another thing as well is we actually saw a migration boats getting saved. And that was quite interesting. It was after we had left Spain, we saw like a tiny boat that was calling for help. And someone like I think it was a student that saw it. And so they informed the captain and, you know, everyone and stuff. And then we had stayed next to the boat to make sure that they will get help by the Spanish Coast Guard uh, because they weren't in like immediate help, like immediate need of help. You know, they they I, I don't think they were sinking or anything. So we kind of stayed near them and um, anchored next to them and we lowered our lifeboats in case we needed to give one to them. But the Spanish Coast Guard ended up coming and, and saving them. So we literally saw the Spanish Coast Guard approaching their tiny boat and then them getting on the on the Spanish Coast Guard's boat. So that was like a whole thing, too. So that was pretty interesting to see. I'd never seen something like that before. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Any final words, shout outs, personal plugs? Uh. Listen to my songs on Spotify and Apple Music. You can find them on all platforms. Just type what? in my name. Uh, Rhea Katan, R-H-E-A. And then my last name is K-A-T-T-A-N. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, everywhere. Yep, anywhere, everywhere. <laughs> well, thank you, Rhea. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's it? Well, that is just about it for this week's episode. Special thank you to the Semester at Sea Home Office in Fort Collins, Colorado, and to everyone we heard from this week. The show will be back in two weeks. To any alumni, please reach out to the show. The content on this show is only possible with your help and your experiences. Once again, to apply, donate, or learn more, please visit semesteratsea.org. And check out Ray's music on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. You can find her by her name, spelled R-H-E-A, last name K-A-T-T-A-N, or by clicking the link in the show's description. The show will be back in two weeks with another episode. As for me, I will be sailing off to this track. Enjoy Falling Places by Rhea Katan. places here 
you start and suddenly said to me can we places 